0: Hey there, podcastees and the podcast It's your boy, Robert DeLong the Hedgehog, here to welcome you to another episode of DeLong Robcast, the podcast where I get people that I can convince to be on it on, and we talk about things that we talk about. Today, we sure have a person that talks. His name is Nick Wold, and he's of the amazing band Dreamers, and we're going to have a great conversation spanning everything from psychedelics to dive bars and occasionally even music. Uh, Everyone, start clapping your hands together. I can hear them from here if you clap loud enough for Nick Wold of Dreamers.
1: I'm ready to go and uh,
0: figure out this thing called life. Figure out this thing called life. Well, that's what we're here to do. I think we can figure it all out (laughs) right now. So... I see in the background you have uh, studio accoutrements. Uh, I do. Most notably lava lamps and mushrooms. Yeah.
1: This is the most important thing <laughs> for a studio to have, I think.
0: Uh, you know, I had a lava lamp and it, it exploded. And as you know, that's not a good thing. I, I don't know what's it in exploded? there, but it's not... I, I don't think you're supposed to have it on your body.
1: I looked it up. What's in there? It's a, it's a well-kept industry secret. It's only one Ooh. company owns the patent to that lava. And they've kept it a tight secret so that no one could rip their uh, technology. That's what Wikipedia says. I don't know if it's true Ooh. per se.
0: Wikipedia says all sorts of things about you. I was just reading it. Right. Are, as you are and all I most know. of those things true? Wikipedia is not always true as you and I found out. Yeah. Oh, right. I mean, yeah, we were in a relationship or something. On um, um, Wikipedia. Yeah, actually, I wonder I still wonder what fan did that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Someone edited Maybe it was that. Douglas Bonar. Yeah, someone but, edited our Wikipedia's. Actually, they edited the Dreamer's Wikipedia to say that I was in love with Robert Delong, which actually isn't is not
0: untrue. I am in love I, with you. I should probably go edit mine to say I'm in love with Nick Wold. Um, That's okay. why I've come so on your podcast wold? to tell you. Yeah, it's uh, Wold rhymes with gold. Wold, gold, gold room. Cool. Um, it's harder to say well, than gold, though, because it's wold. wold. Wold, yeah. I mean, I want to say it like there's mouth. a V, you know, Wold. Uh, yeah, originally in German? One? It's,
1: it's from Norway, actually. Ooh. So, Volda. You know, was the original pronunciation.
0: I, ooh. Wait, say that again. Do that again. Volda. Volda. Yeah. Beautiful. Really beautiful. Um, So you're Norwegian in, you know, you you, you came from Norse people. My father's family did come from the Norse lands.
1: Okay. Yeah. In the 1920s.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. So they weren't quite social democrats at that point when they immigrated here. I don't really know, uh, actually.
1: It's a great question. I should know more about the politics of 1920s Norway.
0: I mean, there was two world wars... You know, or well, one and a half since the twenties. So I mean, yeah, yeah, a lot They're, changed in Europe. But they were always on um, the side of just getting killed by the Nazis. I think. Yeah, I think most of Europe was. Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> it except worked out for good Italy, for Scandinavia, except for Italy. Oh, right. <laughs> have you
1: been to Norway? I have not. That's like ultimate bucket list for me to yeah, go the there. Yeah, the homeland. And, yeah, where my family evolved. That's just one side yeah. of my family. You know, I'm probably like, my name is Norwegian. I'm probably like 25% Norwegian. That's probably the most of any one thing that I am. Classic American what? Euro uh, mutt, you know.
0: So that's your dad's side of the family. Uh, what's, your, what's your mom's uh, side of the family?
1: German, Irish, a little bit of Native American, a little bit of Czech, I hear. All right. I haven't done the, the, the test. This is, all, this is all hearsay, word of mouth.
0: Yeah, 23 and me or whatever. Uh, yeah. Have you done you one of those? 23. No, I haven't. I've been interested. Uh, I guess I just haven't done it. It is kind of funny, like, once you do it, you have granted them, like, the rights to your genetic material. I don't know what that means, but it sounds scary. You actually sign away the rights to them? Something crazy like that. Like, I don't know. They can just create a uh, uh, human-machine-elf hybrid from your DNA, I'm pretty sure. That's what you, like, when you sign the paper, that's what it says. They can create clones of you, a clone army. I kind of want that, though. Uh, not to plug my own music, but um, oh, fuck it. Uh, in in <laughs> favorite it. colors blue, there's a moment uh, in the music video where there's like 40 of me like dancing together, and there you uh, go. yeah, one of my radio promo guys he started like freaking out and saying one is more than enough. Uh, yeah. <laughs> now I think with 23 and Me, you could have the first all clone band that's just all you. Oh my god, yeah, then I wouldn't have to multitask. I could just, one person would play drums. Yeah, you're one still a one-man band,
1: you just have 40 of you.
0: Yeah, I love this idea, honestly. <laughs> um, I think we should pursue this, and I'm definitely going to 23andMe. Uh, I'm going to ask them to be a sponsor of this podcast that no one's going to listen to. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> and we're going to make this happen. You should word, um, it, word the email that way. I think that's what I'm all about, is like, Satori through self-deprecation. Speaking of Satori... What, what is Satori. Oh, uh, like uh, Nirvana, um, like, like Enlightenment. Yeah. Total yeah. peace within. Ye- yes, exactly. Is it a Japanese yeah. word? I think so. Uh, to be perfectly honest, I heard uh, Alan Watts say it a bunch, and then right. I, you know, stole it from him for like my sort of like lowbrow take on Eastern religion right. jokes. Well, he's a good yeah. source because he definitely knows what he's talking about. He researched that Satori. Uh, it sounds he Japanese did. just because
1: it reminds me of Suntory, which is whiskey. From Japan.
0: Right, which is a great whiskey. I do love, well, I mean, yeah, I love a good Japanese whiskey. I think there's, like, levels of Suntory. There's, like, entry level, and you can go up to, like, the $5,000 bottle. Big ballin' level? I've never had that one. One time I had this crazy uh, experience of playing a private, somebody's, like, private birthday party in the south of France for, like, a multimillionaire, like, we flew there on a a private jet. Very exciting. It was lovely, and they're lovely people. But uh, long story short... They opened up a, what I think was like a $500 bottle of whiskey, and we drank some of it. And it nice. it tasted real good. But I think it tasted, it's like psychosomatic, right? The second you have something expensive, you're like, this is amazing. This has to yeah. be amazing.
1: It's part of it. I mean, that's thing in art, too. Like, part of it is just creating that value. And then in your mind and in your soul, when you know how valuable it is to people, you're like, this is a special moment. And it, like, activates your your uh, memory where you're like i'm gonna remember this and it feels special so part of it is that you can fabricate value and then have
0: it actual ha- actually have value from that that's you know what that's that's a beautiful way to put it uh yeah a more cynical way to put it would be like uh if i sell you shit you're gonna love it more <laughs> yeah. than if i didn't sell it to you <laughs> yeah
1: you're right uh, I, I made yeah. it may sound romantic that's this mostly bad like diamonds and stuff stuff that they overcharge for and then people think it's cool because it's balling because it shows how much money they have that sucks
0: also, speaking of Balin, I noticed something. You have a ring on your hand. Oh, yeah. What is that ring? My oh, playing, a tiki?
1: This is uh, my tiki spirit. I got this at a, a tiki bar in uh, Silver Lake, Tiki Tea, back when bars were oh, yeah. a thing. There was this old man there who was a, he's an old white Rasta. He has dreads down to his ass. He's talking about how he's like he was knighted by the king of Ethiopia and into Rastafarianism and stuff like that. And he had this big bag of rings. I was like, are you selling those rings? He's like, why? Yes, I am. So I got (laughs) one of these rings for 30 bucks. 30 bucks. Yeah. Beautiful. Pure gold, I'm sure. It's better than a thousand dollar diamond. That's worth the same Uh, amount in real life. Right.
0: And it's doing the same thing. And now you have a great story as opposed to uh, I got locked into a long term relationship that I'm slowly regretting. Uh, Right.
1: (laughs) Yeah, this is just me um, and Jim
0: hanging out. That's all that. Oh, man, Jim. Did Sir, he name Sir it Jim, Jim, or did you name it Jim?
1: No, the man's name is Jim. The man who made oh. it or who sold it to me, rather.
0: I see. At Tiki T's, you know, I love that place. That is actually one of the, the bars, one of the few places I feel like I've missed during the pandemic. Of like, at this point, I'm still not like really interested in going to a bar, even Same. like an outdoor bar. I created like an amazing like backyard hang space, and I have a few people yes, I've seen.
1: I've been to it. And it's I can just, attest. it's amazing.
0: Yeah, that's the move. But uh, Tiki Tees, I will say, I I do love. uh, If you're there at happy hour, have you ever been there when they like do like the moment of silence for like one of the founding members of Tiki Tees? No, I haven't. It's really lovely at like 6 p.m. I don't know if it's every day or every Friday or whatever. But when I was there, they like you know ding on something, and they're like, "All right, everyone, uh, let's remember." I don't know what his name was, uh, Frank, uh, the first bartender here who created uh, most of our cocktails. There's a picture of him on the wall, and we all like turn to the picture cheers But him was like a moment of silence it was really nice and his but, son
1: still yeah. works there i think right i'm pretty sure i think
0: that's right yeah they yeah. have a
1: real sense of ceremony there which i appreciate
0: i feel like the older i get the less i want to just like go to a bar to fucking party if i'm going to a bar let's have like a uh, something about it you know it's like a listening bar or it's like right. has a really nice like you know it's gonna be a theme or an know. event yeah, though I do love me a good dive bar when I'm traveling America, just like going to like, just like the shittiest dive bar in Columbus, Ohio. You That's know what an I mean? event just too, if you're, in, if you're in like
1: a small town, middle of nowhere in Alabama, you want to like go to the dive
0: and just like experience that for what it's worth. Like it's like Ooh. tourism at that point. Do you have any good tour bar stories? I'm sure you have plenty of like crazy things that have happened, but do you have anything that like sticks out? Like, wow, this bar was crazy or like... Oh yeah. man, I met the most interesting person. I feel like we have a lot of small
1: stories like that.
0: You know, it's like I could make a pastiche
1: of little stories rather than like, oh man, the crazy thing happened. <laughs> Things like I was in Pittsburgh and I was just standing next to this guy, and I saw this other guy just came out of nowhere, ran from the other side of the room, and just running punched this guy into an arcade cabinet as hard as he could. Oh and everyone's like, "What's going on?" And the guy was like, "He fucked my girlfriend." And everyone was like, "All right." And then the guy was just <laughs> had blood on his face, and he was like, "I deserved it." And then everyone was like, "Okay." And then everybody just kept drinking after that together. Yeah. I
0: love that. That's like uh, eye for an eye right there. You know, the punishment fits the crime. Uh, Your debt has yeah. been
1: repaid, sir. <laughs> One running punch. One time in uh, Indiana, in the middle of nowhere, there, we just met this guy at his dive bar who was just like, by the end of the conversation, we realized he was desperately trying to convince us to take him on the road with us. He was just like, I hate my job. I hate my life. Like I'll work for you for free, man. Just take me on the road, me out. are like, we don't have, really have room for you, man.
0: Also, like I met you tonight. <laughs> <You're> yeah. <being laughs> <act like. laughs>
1: That's the polite way to say it. We don't have room for you, bro.
0: <laughs> you know, you should have encouraged him. He could just go on his own tour himself, if if indeed he could afford his own accommodations on the road. Right. Why not just? I say, well, you, you know, could just buy a want... ticket every night and just come. I was gonna say, even at that point, you could start putting on the guest list. But I guess you kind of don't want a stalker following you 24/7. Uh, on the, on the road. <laughs> yeah, so I
1: believe him. He wasn't a stock, he never heard of our band. He just really wanted to get out of his
0: life. That's either like a really heartwarming tale or like a, like a really like sad little vignette. But either way. Anyway, yeah. Uh, you uh, did you the right thing, right thing by not I taking him the on the road. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's
1: just one of those true American stories. Be it sad, uh, be it whatever it is.
0: I, was, uh, I, was, I spent yesterday on my, my run uh, listening through your discography as much as I could. Uh, unfortunately, my run wasn't quite long enough to listen to everything you've recorded. Right. But I got pretty far into it. And, uh, you know, i would heard most that. of it before. There was one thing I noticed. I just wanted to ask you about this. And yeah. you might not even know or remember. On the first track on, on your debut record, uh, remind me of the title of it again. Uh, this this album not a, does not exist. This album does is not exist. Album. Yeah. Yes. Drugs. Uh, drugs is track is, one that's right like it sounds like an unplugged uh electric guitar being miked panned hard right during moments in that song is that really happening or am i just a maniac and uh what did you say unplugged electric yeah like r- recording just like an electric with a microphone you know what i mean
1: i think actually what it, it is i know exactly what you're talking about i think what that is 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 uh, acoustic but okay, it's just cool. uh just the click clack of the strings like eq'd up we made that song with your good friend, Tim
0: Pagnotta. Yes. Of Sugar Cold fame, could- who
1: produced You and Walk the Moon and so many great bands that we know.
0: Neon Trees, yeah. Neon um, Trees.
1: He, uh, yeah. yeah, he loves to do that, where he'll... Every time we have electric guitar, he was like, let's put an acoustic on there as well, just for the percussion of the... on the strings.
0: Totally. I, You know, I actually was... That was the next question I was going to ask, if that was one of the songs that Tim worked on, because it definitely had that thing about it you know there's just some things i mean i've worked with tim enough to know like the way his brain works and kind of also just like right. his the way his the sounds that he makes you know you you did um, whole albums with him right i think we've done four songs that i've released oh, okay. uh together uh um, similar to us ri- we've written you know he has some writing on a couple of those tunes uh just because what happens in the studio when you're producing you know yeah, yeah. um over over time you're we lyrics and melodies in there yeah but but we did write one song together, which was pretty fun, uh, that was released only on the vinyl version of my uh, record in the cards. And uh, mm. yeah, it's funny. At the time, I was really scared of it because it was kind of like a weird talking headsy kind of thing. Love it's that. a little bit goofy. And so I was right. scared to put it on my record. In uh-huh. retrospect, I probably should have just put it on the digital version of the record because it's fun. Whatever. Hindsight's Hindsight. 2020. Exactly. We're in 2020. Uh, the world's falling apart, so. <laughs>
1: 2020 vision. We're having it right now. Uh, yeah, it's hard to know about a song until you have hindsight. Like, when you're writing a song, you get so in it somehow that you just can't, like, tell what it is by the end. Do you get that? Or oh, just my like, God, yeah. And it's only later when you've forgotten everything and then you hear it again, you're like, oh, okay, either this song, I like this song, or, wow, that sucked, what was I thinking?
0: So I have a question, like, uh, so, I, I, you know, I think one of my favorite songs of yours is probably one of your most popular songs, uh, Sweet Disaster. It's just like such an earworm. It's one of those songs that sounds like it's been around forever, if you know what I mean. Anybody could play that on acoustic guitar and they're like, oh yeah, I know that song. It sounds like a song, which is great, which is amazing. Uh um, right, yeah.
1: At this point, I feel like it has been around
0: forever. Like right, it. right. I mean, I'm sure for you, when did you write that? Like years? 2014? Fifteen. Fifteen, yeah. Five um, years. It feels like longer. It feels like a lifetime. Was that uh, was that song probably one of your like uh, breakthrough hits or something or like your biggest song? Yeah, or- it was.
1: It's uh, it's kind of like our one that has lasted as like a legacy or whatever. It's just one of those songs that they play on the radio even though it's not new anymore, which is cool. You know, it never felt like it was a big hit or anything, but it just kind of like stuck along. You know, I feel like there were other songs we felt like were bigger breakthroughs for us, like Wolves when we first put it out. We were like, you know, just no one had ever heard of our band at all. We were just like chilling in New York. And that was the first time that we got love on Twitter and on Alt Nation and stuff. So that like felt crazier. a Sweet Disaster felt like we were desperate for it to like, come on, let's get a hit, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so like it never felt like one. And then in hindsight, you're kind of like, oh, it kind of is, I guess. Or it's there, you know, it's one of those songs that they, they play. So
0: I was listening to Wolves and I was thinking uh, there's something about that song that feels almost seattle early 2000 indie rock a little bit like there's something in there and i can't tell you exactly what it is maybe it's like the the clean guitars during the The verses verses or what it is but uh yeah i don't know Uh, what what were your kind of influences uh on that song when you were writing it that's
1: probably like exactly my that i think you nailed it because i'm from seattle my favorite bands like growing up was nirvana and then like i was also obsessed with the strokes on like the 2000s new york thing i moved to new york mostly because i was obsessed with that um so it's kind of a mix of those two things to me, I guess. So Seattle, 2000s indie rock.
0: It, it's funny because like I, I heard like tinges of like uh, Dave Bazan, Page of the Lion, in there, but I don't know if you've ever really listened. I feel like nice. we had that conversation, and yeah, right, I, I hadn't.
1: But uh, Jacob, our drummer, you know, he will always play Dave Bazan in the on tour in the van, you know. And I was always I, I would often ask like, who is this? Because it was ra- really cool, you know. He's like, yeah, Bazan, man, from Page it's of the Lion, man.
0: <laughs> yeah. uh, is Jacob, uh, did he come from a conservative Christian background, perhaps?
1: Uh, he did. He, he did grow up, up Christian, yeah.
0: Why, is that a yeah. thing with Page of the Line? Yeah. So it, Dave like whole story, there's actually a cool documentary about this, but he like hmm. started as kind of a Christian artist on um, tooth and nail records and, and that whole thing, uh, but always right. like with a kind of thoughtful, cynical approach to the whole thing. Yeah, yeah uh, And then slowly over time, he, like, deconverted De- to becoming yeah, an, atheist, an atheist. And his, like, like mm. music, it's really honest, like, follows that whole trajectory. And it's, it's interesting. It's, I mean, I think a lot of people like me who grew up in the church and were into music at that era, it was like, he we all kind of, like, paralleled his uh, story. Wow. So he was, like, the voice of our, generation, our generation in that way. That way. Yeah. yeah. It's like a sit um, journey out of Christendom. There you go. Out of yeah, I, th- um, I think
1: Jacob would have a similar story. I think he'd relate to you on that.
0: <laughs> so you moved to New York uh, when you were eighteen to go What's to your NYU. Just for the fans, real quick. <laughs> yeah, seven seven seven, North Broadway, Broadway. 6669. Uh, sixty nine. Ooh, ooh. Uh, <laughs> I love that. Uh, uh, I love that. The Mark of the Beast and uh, oral sex. Anyway, yeah. uh, I think <laughs> those things do go hand in hand, uh, Satan and sex, uh, which is, I Depends guess maybe makes ask. me a fan of Satan.
1: Yeah. What was that? Depends who you ask. If sex is a, a, an amoral, unholy act, then yes.
0: Right. Or, uh, if you're like a Satanist, you might think of Satan as a, uh, just a representative of, uh, you know, like individualism to its uh, highest extent or something. True. Uh, truth yeah.
1: to power. I think that's how Satanists think about it. At least that's what I get from a Weird Satanist
0: Guy. Weird Satanist Guy? You have a Weird Satanist Guy? Or is that a, a me meme see. that I don't know about? Yeah, it's
1: a meme. It's a man. Weird Satanist Guy. Original. YouTube it.
0: All right. I'll Brilliant check it out. Man. That's good. We're informing the youth here. All t- 12 of them that'll listen to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, 18, you moved to New York to go to NYU to study, I think, jazz, right? That's right. Saxophone.
1: Yeah, I majored in jazz saxophone at NYU. Uh, I grew up playing saxophone. It was kind of my entry into music. And it was like kind of a crazy, brutal boot camp of a life studying jazz. You know, if you've seen the movie Whiplash. <laughs> but yeah, I, 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 and I wanted to, my, my heart was in rock music. I thought that was like just more like poetry and like something that I could really uh, feel and relate to. But uh, I still always have a you know, soft spot in my heart for jazz, and just I feel like having studied it, I come out with like some kind of full understanding of music and harmony and stuff that not a lot of people have for what it's worth. Totally. And it doesn't necessarily help you when you're trying to make popular music. In fact, a lot of the times it's a hindrance because you know too much. Right, but, uh, you
0: know too much. You yeah. know, it is interesting, I, I've thought a lot about this, like, uh, you know, you listen to, like, especially, like, old grunge bands and stuff, they're doing crazy, weird chord changes sometimes, but I, I'm sure they have no idea, you know, they're just moving power chords around. Um, oh, I lost the feel. Yeah, uh, there's actually song years where I, uh, I was thinking about this, Uh oh. Shooting Shadows, um, there's, like, some weird chords going on in that one. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then, and the, the uneven, uneven phrases, phrases, too, I to love that in the verses, yeah. Yeah, was that like, how, how did that come about? Or is it just, you know, you're yeah. writing a song and God that told just, you to do that? Yeah, that happens. I feel
1: like I, I found myself having to try to not do that because I would just do it naturally, like whatever. In jazz, you don't have to have every measure have four beats. Uh, you don't have to have the whole song be in one key. You just kind of play whatever chords you want. I listened to a lot of Radiohead. I think they were kind of partly a gateway drug for me from jazz back into rock. Dude, that- I grew up with rock, but because they're so complex and they'll do odd meters in five or 15 or they'll change the time signature in the middle of the song. And it feels like, I feel like they get it more from classical music than from jazz, but like in those types of musics, you can just write whatever you want. So I did that. I did that a lot more. And sometimes I have to be like, don't do that. You know, stop thinking so much about music. Think about the lyrics, you know, stop thinking so much about music theory and like, think about the lyrics and just kind of like, whatever, you know?
0: Uh, Yeah, I I think you and I are are both in in this boat together. I mean, and and yeah, I'll go back and listen to some of like, you know, songs from my first record, and it'll just have like these like, this moment of just wild, wild, silly harmony stuff. And it's like, it's cool that I did that. I'm pretty sure that's the moment when everyone's like, I got to go get a drink during the show. You know? (laughs) (laughs) Except for those two music majors in the back, that are like, Yes! yeah fuck yeah which is cool though i like to, i like to have both i like uh yeah i like f- you know 14 year old fans that are just there for you know the yeah. things i'm saying and then uh 60 year old men that are like yeah man you like you know when you did that like five of five and then you did like the chromatic submediate thing right like, oh yeah i was sick bro and then you could be <laughs> Except they're, a, yeah you yeah. could be
1: interviewed in the drummer's world you know
0: <laughs> fuck yeah uh that is kind of my i think, yeah, a no, I my think goal. you can walk
1: the line i think you can be like musically complex but also just true to like simplicity at the same time i don't know i think a lot of great music does do that like the beatles or even like uh radiohead or nirvana whatever music for some totally. reason jazz musicians really love nirvana even though nirvana is the most simple kind of three-chord stuff but they do have these like really strange uh, harmonies, you know? Like they have these chord changes that are super atonal and like weird. But it's just always done in a, in the spirit of like fuck it. So it doesn't feel like musically complex when you're listening to it. But it totally. is totally I mean it's it like is.
0: every I you know, I always think it's like funny. There's like so many Nirvana songs where it's like every chord's a major chord, but they're all like mm-hmm. not in the same key. You know? <laughs> it's yeah. like uh, and then he's like singing, sometimes he's just singing a note that's like, that does work, but it's in a different mode. No, stop thinking about it, Robbie. Like,
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, I think he came at it for, like the Beatles from a point of view of not knowing anything and just being like, I just want to make a chord that sounds like a little bit, fuck you there. You know, but then people who right. know music theory, they hear it and they're like, whoa, he's like modulating to the seven. Yeah. And it's like amazing yeah. to them.
0: <laughs> so I do have to ask, you have a mushroom behind you. Uh, what is that yes. a reference to? Uh,
1: that's just where Dr- I hide the Drugs? drugs.
0: That's where you hide the drugs.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, that, uh, I think a lot of the weird stuff I have came from tour, and a lot of it came from video shoots. That's, that's from a weird video shoot prop, but it's just one that I think is rad, and I, I just wanted to keep. So. so, there it is. But yeah.
0: It represents I, y- you as a person, right? I mean. It's the joy of uh, cooking fungus. Ooh. No, I, uh,
1: uh, I, I consider myself a, a psychedelic, uh, a psychonaut. From time to time, we'll use psychedelics as a, you know, creative and spiritual uh, intellectual exercise.
0: I I mean, I'm an advocate for psychedelics in controlled settings, you know, whatever, Uh, uh, responsible use. I mean, I've I've had some, I mean, for instance, like, I think, like, in the middle part of April and May uh, of of quarantine, I was kind of in, like, you know, I kind of hit the malaise point. I was sitting, you know, maybe not depression, but definitely not feeling amazing. Um, The corona And then... uh, And then I, I went out to uh, Joshua Tree with my roommate, and uh, we took a, a hit of acid and, and naked moonbathed and listened to Luke Ferrari, which is like this crazy like experimental music. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, you know, I came back home just like rejuvenated, you know it was like a total yeah. flip of a switch, and I, I've been so much more focused since. So you know, I, I think there's something to that. Some,
1: um, some powerful about it. I think yeah. like, it's like a powerful magic. If you use it wrong, if you like use it at a party, you're probably going to have a terrible time. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but if you use it right like that, go to Joshua Tree, like in a situation where you're already going to be like kind of relaxed and spiritually connected and, and stuff. You do it there, yeah. it just sets your brain into like something amazing. It's, it's, it's like very really helpful.
0: Have you read uh, that Michael Pullen book, uh, How to Change Your Mind? No, I haven't. You should read that. I mean, yeah. it's it's like that's a great it's, title. It's an, oh yeah, it's so great. It's like Michael Pollan has written a bunch of books about like food and right. You know, he's kind of a like a popular science writer, yeah. uh, really good writer. But then this book really gets into. I mean, he just became interested in psychedelics, even though he's not. I mean, he's like a sixty-year-old man that right. uh, basically hadn't done psychedelics yet. And uh, yeah, he gets into. You know, he goes all the way deep with like the therapeutic benefits of it. Uh, kind of what's going on scientifically in your mind. Uh, why, you know, society kind of turned on psychedelics in the 60s. And I, it's a yeah. really, it's, an, it's a great read. Uh, it's, the, it's the kind of book, too, that like you could give your mom and your mom, I don't know about your mom. My mom would never yeah. do psychedelics. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I think she would read it and be like, oh, no, that was really interesting. And that actually probably changed my perspective a little bit on this thing. Yeah, that's super um, really
1: cool. I'd like to read yeah. that. I, I've, I've heard about how... There was, like, research being done about it in the 60s, and then it became really taboo to research it and became illegal. And uh, there, since then, there hasn't been a lot of science on it. So, like, not a lot is known, even though it's such a crazy, it's, right. it seems like such a crazy thing to not know
0: much about and to not study because of how impactful it is. I think 2007, Harvard <clears throat> reopened studies into it. And since then, there's been a mm. lot more research in the last few years. Um, awesome. And it's all, you know, it's all just showing the same thing over and over. You know, the craziest thing is, like, the high percentage of, like, uh, addiction rates that are curbed because of uh, psychedelics. Um, yeah, people uh, you know, cold when turkey. Used, yeah, like, when used in, like, a therapeutic setting, which is a crazy idea. I've never With thought the of the idea of, like, why in. I'm laying on a couch and somebody's, like, guiding me. But that sounds fun, too. <laughs> um, but did I freeze? Because you froze. You froze for a second, but you're you're back in action. And I heard okay. you the whole time. So oh, okay, cool we can yeah. just edit that out
1: you know for the fans yeah keep it concise. oh no I'm, we're gonna
0: edit this this whole thing is gonna be 12 seconds and it's just gonna be like yeah i like to do psychedelics and that's it that's, and that's all it. i'm gonna put yeah. is just just <laughs> you saying that just, uh, and then every response <laughs> i say is gonna be 6669 yeah <laughs> i love this yeah i'm actually doing this just to blackmail people right um, <laughs> yeah have you done dmt uh, one time, oh my god, what a crazy experience that was, but yeah, please, go on. Yeah,
1: well, yeah, I did it for the first time last year, and it's just completely, I think, on another level from other psychedelics, it's, and in kind of a really more kind of spiritual, positive way, too, for me. Y- so you smoked it? I smoked it, yeah.
0: Yeah, uh, and like... Vaped it, I mean, actually. my experience was, I smoked it, and then by the time I took my second hit, like, it was already like an earthquake in the world happening, And then everybody, everything turned into like intersecting lizards, and then I was like kind of gone for a while, completely Um, out of body, right? You fully blasted off, as it were. Yeah, I I don't think I achieved like the full thing uh, that time, and it was still insane. Uh, And I, I I really want to do that. I just don't have access to it right now, especially during quarantine. But yeah, um, what was your experience like? Similarly to you, I went to Joshua Tree with like uh, my best friend from childhood,
1: from growing up, who's kind of like a brother to me. And we just spent like a weekend out there, which is already fun. The the main event was the DMT vape. They have the and they have it in this oh, oil yeah. now. Yeah, we just did that and we, we, we did several blast offs in one day. And it only lasts for like twenty minutes, you know? Right. And then it's completely gone, out of your brain, you're totally back. You're like, What? What just happened? It was crazy and we try talk about it, have a beer or whatever, hang out, and then you wanna do it again? <laughs> but yeah. Fuck. Like, we, we communicated with beings, and we saw the craziest things I've ever seen, like, just went, had out-of-body experiences, insane feelings of, like, memory and cosmic things that just kind of are really strange and mind-blowing. Uh, you talked to the machine elves? We did. Yeah. Big time. It uh, seems like everybody well, has that experience. There was, is this sense of someone being there. And some people say right. they're machine elves. Some people say they're jesters, which I get, because there's a lot of, like, pointy
0: hat color vibes. Yeah. It's just so interesting that the, that the human mind, like, creates these very self-similar themes between different, you know, completely different people and different cultures, even, yeah. you know? It, it's, I mean, it it's either points to something that's embedded in, in just the human psyche and, like, genetically, or, you know, yeah. uh, I guess could point to some, uh, you know, more spiritual answer. Or they're um, really elves. Or there really helps. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's like the whole Santa narrative uh, along with, like, uh, fucking Lord of the Rings uh, yeah. yeah, meets uh, uh, <laughs> exactly. Joe Rogan. Or so. Lord of the
1: Rings is all true. No, uh,
0: it could be it both. It was, that <laughs> is the history of Earth. That's the middle part of Earth,
1: middle right. Earth. Yeah, it could be both to me. Like, you know, a lot of people think when they have DMT experience, they're like, I just actually died and I, like, met God and stuff. Other people think it's all in your brain. I think it can be both. I think, like... They can be real spirits and be in your brain. You know, we're all cut from the same cloth. Maybe we have these archetypal realities, like maybe that's what a spirit is, you know. Maybe your entire universe is in your brain, which it is. I mean, everything that you've ever known and thought about and seen has all been a creation of your brain, you know, based on sensory input. But it's all this map of the universe that is in your brain. So, I I think the, the brain does have a spiritual power.
0: You know, again, I, I'd say that I'm probably like an atheist materialist, and weirdly, I still like... Th- I, that would be the way I would describe spirituality on some level, you know? Uh, yeah. it's And, you know, it's like a, a switch in our brain that helps us feel a certain way to see the truth of the universe, that we're all just a part of this thing, we're just a part of this crazy cycle. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I love this. This is great. But uh, just because it's in your
1: brain and because it's material, does that mean it's not magic? Because I don't see why. I don't see why what it's made of and where it's located make, should make it any less magical. And people are like, it's only magic if it's a spirit in another dimension, but if it's a dimension inside my brain, then it's not magic, it's boring. I'm like, I don't really see that. I feel like it's still the same thing wherever you put it.
0: Totally. I mean, and again, the human brain is just so insane and complicated and, and, and so beyond our own comprehension. Yeah. That there's really no... That itself like, is amazing. Yeah. What, do we, yeah what, are we, what are you even saying at that point? Yeah. Um yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I don't want to take up too much of your time, uh, so this has been a lot of fun. There was just a couple questions that were uh, actually uh, just about music that I wanted to just real quick go over. I was really curious about your songs you ha- you like you write big choruses, you know yeah. you have like sailing choruses a lot of times you'll have like a kind of rhythmic verse, verse. uh yeah. vocally, and then those right. choruses are just like you're sailing on some note. Maybe not the edge of your range, but up there. Yeah, I oh, love that shit beyond the edge. I, yeah, you're right. I'm <laughs> sure touring starts to wear down those vocal cords, but yeah. uh, I love. I mean, I love that shit. I feel like I grew up with that stuff, and I feel like I I I do that probably half the time. Yeah. What are kind of like some of the big influences that 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 brought that out of your songwriting and? Thanks, like, man. Yeah, I definitely get that thing. from yours. Yeah, I
1: I always loved big anthemic choruses and just melodies. So I think that's probably what i what I always wanted to go for is like the that ultimate rock song, you know, which is like just that melody that just like carves its way through your brain. Nirvana, I already said, Weezer. Uh I was gonna say Weezer. I, I hear so much
0: Weezer in your music, like Beatles. Oh yeah.
1: The Beatles, oh, yeah. which I think I think Nirvana and Weezer and Radiohead, those are my favorite bands, like they they kind of came from the Beatles, I think, spiritually in a lot of ways. Musically totally uh where the beatles would always have this melody going and whenever there was a break in the vocal melody like a little guitar melody would fill the that space there so there's always this kind of like melody that you're following along it's and it becomes this kind of sequence that you love to like relive this like a little roller coaster i think that was something that i was i was always drawn to so probably and like those those bands that i named like they list the beatles as a, one of their biggest influences so i think it's probably
0: not a coincidence Totally. Well, that, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. It's it's so funny when it's like, uh, yeah, I can listen to somebody's music and I can sort of pinpoint what their influences are, not in a derivative way, but just be like, yeah. oh, yeah, definitely, I hear I hear those those things about you. Uh, but that also brings me to, like, what what's, like, something that you love to listen to or you're a big fan of that, like, your fans would be so surprised to hear uh, that's just, like, totally different than what you do?
1: Yeah, I mean, we already talked about jazz, but, like... Possibly my favorite artist of all time is Bill Evans. He's a jazz piano player. Fuck Makes yeah. music that's nothing like what we make. <laughs> a lot of improvisation, yeah. but he has this incredible um, incredible sort of melancholic sadness in his note, the notes that he chooses, even as he's improvising, but also this really crazy spectrum-level mastery. It kind of reminds me of like Debussy, when I listen to like people playing Debussy. That, that's another... One of my favorite artists of all time that people might be surprised with.
0: Piano. So you, you yeah. love piano players. I do.
1: I guess do you I do. Pla- yeah. I, I've been learning piano p- for the first time. Quarantine. It's been a pipe dream of mine. You can see it right here.
0: Yeah, oh, I can baby. see it. Uh, how's it. How's it going? It's going well. What
1: it's are you going- learning?
0: Like jazz or everything or nothing? Oh, uh, yeah. Sorry. I just wanted to be able to like,
1: sit down and Elton John out a song. So the first song I learned was Rocket Man. And then I'm just learning songs that I like. I've always wanted to be able to do that, and I never have. So it's nice to just kind of start to get a handle on it and be able to like play a song on piano. Who knows, man? I don't know. We got a lot of totally. spare time I'm, in quarantine.
0: I mean, uh, piano is such a funny thing to, for me because it's like I'm an idiot when I approach it, but I, you know, I know theory and I know, and I know what, I what I want, want to do. To do. But it's like, I kind of like, I feel like I'm, uh, you know, like a bear with like my meat paws just slapping the, the, yeah. the keys. Then for like, if I have to learn something from my show, I'll fucking shed it for uh, eight hours one day. And like, then, you, then and you it's always do that there one forever.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. But it's not like, if I fuck it up, then it's like, ah, uh, I have to start over. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, you just yeah. do that with enough things. Eventually, you can kind of play. One last question. TikTok. Do you <laughs> yes. use TikTok? Let's talk about the real issues here. TikTok yeah i do actually i just started using it i just started using it i uh i don't understand it a lot of the times i I feel like uh like you said like uh meet hands (laughs) or more like more like an old man you know trying to use a computer like so the kids are on the tiktok here but uh no i'm starting to get it i understand it i just like it's because i realize it's like it's really just for fun people watch it just for fun it's just for silliness whatever right. that's cool i i'm making all this music i spent all this time making music so uh i just want to be able to tell people about it somehow there's no mtv what are you gonna do get a tiktok
0: yeah i still haven't figured it out though i do enjoy watching it and i'm really like inspired by especially like kids in high school that are just doing super creative stuff it's like wow that's so awesome yeah but then but then it's also like i'm a 34 year old man you are yep. 20 years younger than me. There's no way I'm going to understand <laughs> how to get to that level, you know. Yeah, but think about <laughs> it. Whoever your favorite artists were, they're usually
1: 10 to 20 years older than you. Like your favorite. Totally. Bands, at least like and a lot of my favorite bands are like 50 years older than me, whatever. Don't yeah, think that you know, imp- those young people, they're they're the ones who are really going to absorb your music and you can connect with them in a very genuine way and they might be listening to the messages you give them their whole their whole life, you know? Like I'm still listening to the artists that were my favorite in high school,
0: you know? Totally. I mean, that's, I think high school's like the last time that it, it's easy. They it, like, after you're like 22, I feel like it's hard to emotionally yeah. connect with things in the same way. Cause you're not going through those insane emotions that you have during late adolescence, but it's true. Yeah. It's like, everything's a story. Um, at that age. Yeah. And also I'm just getting dumber every day, which is, I think important It is important to arrest my development so that I can connect with the youth still. You know what I mean? Right. If, if if I let myself get too adult, it's, uh, you know, do responsible things like file my taxes on time, uh, you know, uh, take showers every day, uh, not drink a bottle of tequila last night, you know, which again, you know, don't drink too much. It's a bad idea, but sometimes it's fun. There's Um, a
1: reason that great authors drink too much stay young or something like forever if you're an artist because you have to play. You have to be playful to create right. art, to create something yeah. new. You have, to, you have to be weird, you have to be playful.
0: Yeah, it's that or like you have to truly get, I don't know. I, I've actually found that uh, I've been using, I've been meditating more during quarantine and it's something that's really helped me like achieve those states but just internally um, and also, you know, keeps, it, it helps keep anxiety at bay a little bit. We've done it. We've we've talked for an hour and fourteen minutes. Uh, nice. Every second of it was delightful. Uh, I agree.
1: Did we figure out life? This thing called life.
0: I, we actually. I mean, we kind. Of, we got. We got pretty deep there for a second. So I feel like some something happened. We we contacted <laughs> the machine elves. Uh, we they're here with us. Transcended. We here. reached Satori. Uh, we, talked Suntory. Uh, we talked about Satori. We talked about music. And, and yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, you're a uh, delightful yeah, man, and uh, uh, thanks for doing this. As are you. Um, uh, thanks for
1: having me, man. I'm honored to uh, to be a part of it, of the ism. Yeah, the uh, Delongism. Yeah.
0: Do, uh, do you have any last parting words for uh, my fans, your fans, fans the universe, universe etc.?
1: Yeah. Uh, no. Just you know, we have our song Heat Seeker out. Uh, it's at radio. Which is so tight. if you want to hear it, just tell, you know, text your radio station to be like, hey, play that song,
0: man. Yeah, dog. We got play a lot that more song. coming. Though. A
1: tons more coming.
0: Amazing, yeah. I, I love that song, and uh, I'm also very thankful that you uh, featured me in the quarantine video. Uh, that's real nice. Oh, hell yeah. Um,
1: Thank, thanks for doing that.
0: Yeah, I and the slap. slap. I'm just glad that got in there, man. Fuck yeah. All not, us, uh, not, uh, you know, us art,
1: alt-artists, we got to stick together. We are a, a, a rare breed. A you know? breed. we're kind of Yeah. We're, kinda, yeah we're, <laughs> we're the underground, as it were. Uh, There's like the, seven of us the left. The underdog. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. Yeah. Let's, well, uh, let's get weird. Let's create some. stuff. All right.
0: Well, uh, have a lovely day, and uh, yeah, I guess I'll I'll see you on TikTok, etc.
1: I will. I can't wait.
0: <laughs> All right. Thanks, man. All right, brother. See ya. Thanks for listening to DeLong Robcast. DeLong Robcast is produced, recorded, and edited by me, your good friend Robert DeLong in association with Harden Entertainment and distributed by Glassnote Records via Anchor. If you like listening to this pod, make sure to tell your friends, enemies, dogs, and household appliances, and don't forget to like DeLong Robcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or whatever it is you get to hear my beautiful, soothing voice in all its glorious extemporaneity. Also, if you want to see some video footage of this combo, check out Robert DeLong on YouTube or Instagram. Be safe, be well, be fun. I'm Robert DeLong and I will see slash talk to you again in the future.